The Bible says Jesus sat down and taught. And if you want to look at perfect theology, look at Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. You can discuss all these topics, but if you want the answer, go to Jesus. He's perfect theology. He sat down and taught them, and I guarantee you somebody in that crowd went, uh, question, <laughs> I got a question, Jesus. What about this, though? Because everybody over here on this side of town is saying it's okay. And I guarantee you Jesus gave answers. He told stories through parables, which is almost like movies. And he related it to their culture and their time. The Bible says we need to be ready to give answer for why, Jeremy, you believe what you believe. More than, I go to Daystar Family Church. I'm a Christian. I was raised Christian all my life, and this is what, what it is. You need to know the word. Your level of word will be your level of faith. You want to know the level of your faith, look at the level of the word in your life. If you have little word, you will have little faith. And more than likely, the enemy will have you in his mouth like a rag doll defeating you. So we've decided to do this series, and we're going to end it today on some hot topics. I'm going to let Pastor Tanner, who's our student pastor for our youth and our college. Anybody love Pastor Tanner? And I'll brag on them. They are seeing just an incredible move of God in our Press College ministry. Where's Press? Where y'all? And and, and our students, our uh, Slate Student Ministries, just God is moving because we've stopped just doing church and we're making disciples. Even our middle schooler and high schools. Why do you believe what you believe? I don't know. Well, you need to know. Because this new generation will not do church the way I did it with my generation in the 80s and 90s. Or you better go to church or you're going to burn. Oh, God. They will not be scared to heaven. There's got, first of all, God has nothing to do with fear. He's perfect love and he casts out all fear. So it's got to be about relationship. And as we discuss these topics today, I don't know what's going to come out of everybody's mouth, including mine, but we'll just see where this thing goes. Is that all right? Y'all give it up for Pastor Tanner. Come on. All right. Thank you, Pastor Scott. Uh, So uh, real quick, uh, I know most of you have probably been here every week or uh, in in a couple weeks that we've been doing this the last four, Um, but just to kind of give you a brief rundown of what we're doing, uh, we're doing a panel discussion instead of sermonizing like Pastor Scott was just talking about here. Uh, where we take different topics and we just let these four men or whoever our representatives are each week on the panel sit and discuss different topics. How many of you have ever been in a living room discussion, had a great uh, discussion with one of your friends or a relative or a family member or, or whoever, and at the end of the discussion, you're like, man, I wish I would have got that on camera, yeah. right? I wish I could remember that. Uh, and so that's just kind of what we're trying to facilitate here. Uh, we also have over in our right corner, we have this gallery of people that kind of represent the body. Uh, here at uh, Daystar that they'll give their approval and disapproval as the panel talks. You'll see that. How this week's going to be different is uh, the last couple weeks I've just been asking uh, kind of provocative questions to spark discussion among our panel. This week we're just going to take topics and we're going to run through about seven of them and we're going to have a timer on the clock. And when the timer runs out, we're moving on to the next topic. There will be a sound at the end and we're moving on to the next one. But uh, just kind of a couple different topics uh, that, that within the body of Christ that are kind of controversial <laughs> as far as sin issues and Christian living and what's right, what's, what's okay, where's my Christian liberty and all of this, and they'll kind of discuss these topics as we go on. So if we could, can we get our, our gallery, the people who've been asked to be on our gallery, to come forward and, and go ahead and, and make your way up here, and uh, we're going to introduce our panel really quick. Uh, to my right, 
I have one of my best friends in life. His name is Dalton Ballou. Dalton, could you tell our body uh, a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, what you're about, all that good stuff? <laughs> uh, hi. Yeah. My name's Dalton. Um, I'm, I was an intern here for a couple years, uh, graduated the internship um, last year, and uh, now I've been working parts, uh, part-time on staff here at Daystar Family Church, working with the college and youth, and uh, yeah, it's a little bit about me. Pastor Ty, we, we know you already. You, this is his second trip up here on the panel, <laughs> so we'll skip Pastor Ty. Pastor Ty is a, a pastor here. Pastor Ty, you can, you can give him just a brief rundown if you want to. Good morning. How you doing? Uh, Ty Blocker, I'm a, an associate pastor here. I've been a part of Daystar Family Church for a long time. Since Noah. Since Noah. <laughs> when uh, Noah played t-ball. Uh, anyways, I'm just glad to be here. <laughs> And then the pastor ties right, we have Isaiah Schatzlon. Isaiah, can you, uh, can you just tell a little bit about yourself? Hey, everybody. I'm Isaiah. Um, I'm 17 years old. I go to Hillcrest High School. I'm a senior there. And um, so I love Jesus, and I'm ready to talk about controversy. Amen. <laughs> ready to talk about controversy. Uh, Spell I've, it. Since, since, Spell <laughs> since I've become the, uh, the student pastor here, I've gotten to grow closer with a couple of our youth, and uh, Isaiah's just really grabbed my heart. He's got a, an awesome heart. He's going to be an awesome man of God, already becoming an awesome man of God. To Isaiah's right, he has, we have his lovely father, our uh, wonderful pastor. Don't we have the greatest pastor in the world here? <laughs> we love you, Pastor love Scott. You. Okay, so... Uh, like I said, this week we're just going to run through topic by topic, and uh, to start this thing off, we're going to talk about a topic that really is controversial uh, within the body of Christ. Uh, how many of you have ever wondered um, about the topic of drinking or have ever wanted the discussion to be had at church about drinking, how far is too far, uh, stuff like that? Well, this week, uh, if you want to go ahead and throw it up on the screen, we're going to talk about drinking, and I believe we're allowing... Uh, Y'all ain't ready. I believe... We're allowing seven minutes for this discussion, so when it hits the end, that's the end. Um, so, with drinking, uh, does anybody want to just start our discussion on drinking? Um, anybody want to take it? Take it and go. Let me just ask, um, drinking, um, is it a sin? Is it not a sin? I'll start there. Um, okay. Pastor Ty. He's making me want to drink right now. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to admit something. I probably never Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Well, well into my Christian walk, uh, and probably, I don't know, maybe five years or so into it, I, I drank wine, but it wasn't every day. I, I drank every now and then. Mm. So please don't hate me if you... Uh, you know, or think differently about me, but I did. Uh, the thing about drinking is, uh, I believe that a lot of it, the way we look at drinking has, I think a lot of it is affected by culture and the way that we, we look at culture. But uh, as it relates to drinking, I think that overindulgence of anything um, can, can be a sin. Drinking per se, having a drink, I don't think it's a, it's a sin. But I do believe that there are two things that are factored in, which is one of the reasons why I stopped doing it, is that when you become a believer, uh, you know, one of the phrases that you hear people say all the time is that 
I don't care what anybody thinks. And when you become a believer, you don't have the liberty to say that. When it, when it comes to your, your value as a person, absolutely. You know, you can disregard negative thoughts that people have about you. But the Bible says that we are the light of the world. And what you perceive to be something, even though I may not think it's wrong, if you perceive it to be wrong, the word teaches that I'm to be aware of your consciousness of that particular thing. Uh, Jesus even asked his disciples one time, he said, who do men say that I am? And, of course, we know that Jesus was confident in who he was. So the way that that's perceived, uh, the reason why the Holy Spirit, you know, prompted me to stop doing it is because if someone saw that, they could perceive something. And I was trying to represent something that was completely and totally different. So is drinking a sin? I don't believe it is. I believe that overindulging in it, absolutely. Um, but that's, that's, the way that, uh, that's the way I see it. That was awesome. Sorry for putting you on the spot. I just, <laughs> comedic relief is how I get comfortable. Like, these, these chairs are cracking me up right now. I'm a very tall dude, and you kind of sink back, so I'm, like, trying to get comfortable. Um, I, I actually completely agree with you. I'm on the exact same part. Oh, really? Um, yes. Uh, is, is drinking, yeah, sorry, Pastor Scott. Is, is drinking a sin? Um, no, but for me, Yes. Um, for me, I have a personal conviction about it just because I grew up around it, saw a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of the stuff in my family that has happened that's on the negative side has been a product of uh, drinking and, and misusing that. Um, I, I don't, I, the only reason I say, hey, it's not a sin, the, just the act of actually consuming an alcoholic beverage, like one is not a sin because I don't see that distinctive in scripture where one drink equates to a sin. You know, I see that drunkenness is a sin all throughout the Bible. You know, don't be drunk. You know, be filled with the Spirit. All, all, all this stuff. I've seen, I've seen that. But um, I would advise for uh, Christian brothers and sisters to steer away from that, even if you're not Christian, to kind of steer away from it because of the stigma that's around it. Um, and also to be aware if you do drink of the people around you who may not agree with that. Like uh, Pastor Ty was saying, you know, in uh, Romans 14, it talks about, you know, if you, if you think something's okay, then fine, you know, do it to the glory of God, but don't um, condemn your brother for thinking a different way. So yeah, um, I, I don't think that actually consuming an alcoholic beverage is a sin. Um, you know, if you need it every night to relax, you know, you have a cup of wine or two cups of wine or three cups of wine, you know, every night to relax, I think you're teeter-tottering, and I would say that, you know, brother or sister, God has better for you. But um, yeah, I would say just to avoid it because the stigma around it, but is one drink a sin? I don't see that definitive in scripture. So, I like to um, say something about it too. So we all three agree on the same level, absolutely. Just in, so both points are are incredible. Both points are absolutely correct. Oh really? But another but another point but another point that I like to make is that there's a scripture that actually says where I'm going to ask, is it is it there's there's two things my dad's always taught me is is it profitable or is it permissible? Mm. So. And when I, when I, what I mean whenever I first say Corinthians that. 1 Corinthians 6.12. Put that up. 1 first, first Corinthians 6.12, if you would. Whenever, whenever I say that, I mean, whenever you drink, let's say you go and you drink a, a can or a glass, you go drink a glass of wine. Is it permissible according to the Word of God? Yeah. But is it profitable? Maybe not according to the Holy Spirit. Maybe not your, for your spiritual walk. It's not, it's not profitable. So what I mean when I say that, and also for me, um, my family actually has a long line of drunkard Germans 
So I believe that my family actually... Say that five <laughs> times fast. <laughs> Drunkard Germans, drunkard Germans. Drunkard Sorry, I'm cutting into your Germans. time. Go ahead. So a lot of alcoholics in our family history, and so we, we, our family, the Schatzlines, actually had a major uh, generational curse of just alcoholism and, and depression um, all over it. And so I believe even whenever my dad really took the stand to never have a sip of alcohol, um, I believe that's absolutely the, the direct way to go about it because for me, I'm not going to go and drink it. Kind of like as Dalton was saying, for me, I have the conviction of the Holy Spirit because number one, it was, it was once a generational curse that was on my family that was then broken. So why am I going to go back and even give, give any room to my flesh or give any room to the enemy to even take one sip? You know, I don't, I don't find it needy. I don't find it, I don't, I don't desire it because I've never really opened that door in my life. Um, but ultimately, it's not profitable for, for my spiritual walk. It's not profitable for me to, so uh, to, with my walk with God. So, I, so, I, it's, so drinking is not a sin, but drunkardness is. Amen. Pastor Scott, eight seconds. Um, yeah. Done. Let's move on. Okay, to our gallery over here. Gallery, do we agree with everything that's been said? Does anybody have any disagreements? No, if you have any, if you're all in agreement, give me a green thumbs up. Oh, really? Awesome. Does anybody okay. in our gallery have any questions about this topic before we move to the next topic? Oh, one question. We're taking one question per topic. Let's look at it this way. If someone is trying to be saved and they're looking at your life, but you're in the store buying alcohol, and they are looking at you, they're looking at your life. We are the light of the world, city sit on a hill that cannot be hidden. And if we have that alcohol in our shopping cart, and they are trying to stop drinking, trying to be like you, how are they going to react toward you? Are they going to say, well, she's doing the same thing I'm doing, so why should I be saved? Okay, next topic. Let's throw it up there. No, no, skip that topic. You better repent. I think we're saving that one for the, towards the end there. There we go. Cussing. You about made me right there. Four minutes. Four minutes for this topic. Who wants to take it? Isaiah, I'm putting it on you. Go. All right. So, cursing. Um, so, number one, obviously, or I hope you know, if you don't, the Word of God obviously says, don't use foul language, da da da, you know, whatever, and you can categorize that in whichever way you want. But number one, I believe actually, it actually says in Ephesians chapter 6, um, it, it literally just states any kind of negative, any kind of foul, abusive, um, uh, you know, demeaning language should not be used for its sin. So if I'm going to go, so if we're going to categorize, you know, specific words and vowels that we actually say in the English language as sin, I think we should also categorize that with, you know, calling someone an idiot. Okay, so I just sinned. Okay, but the thing is, so you can't get religious about it. But the thing is, is that cursing itself is entirely um, anything that is negative. But also, if you, just kind of how she put it, if you're trying to witness to somebody who's trying to, stop, trying to stop using foul language, 
but you're sitting over here dropping the F-bomb every other sentence. How do, the, how do you expect them to be reached? Um, I think the thing is, one, one time I, my, my father preached a message about being kingdom-minded, and one of the ways that you actually um, tell what country, what nation, what kingdom um, somebody is from is by what their clothes, by the way they walk, by what they like to eat, but ultimately their language. So if I walk into Germany and I have absolutely no kind of German accent, or if I walk into Spain, but I don't speak Spanish, but I'm speaking English, they're going to put me, they're going to say, okay, this guy is obviously from the nation, the kingdom of America, because he only speaks English, and he looks like an American, and he acts like an American. But whenever we're at I don't know, just wherever we are in our everyday lives, wherever we're walking, if we walk like a Christian, we talk like a Christian, we act like a Christian, then they're going to be able to put us in that category of, okay, they're obviously of Jesus because that's the way that they walk and the way that they talk. Amen. That's a really good point. All right, anybody else want to piggyback off of, off of Isaiah? Go for it, Dalton. Um, I, I agree with Isaiah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, like you said, Paul talks about it, you know, let no foul language come from your mouth. So, um, like you said, trying to be a witness and, uh, you know, you're called to a higher standard if you're a member of the kingdom of God. So make sure that your actions from day to day are conducive to what you claim to be a member to. So, Pastor Scott, I want to get your thoughts on this. Oh, my microphone. You know, we, I was raised with one of those, you know, church statements, garbage in, garbage out. And we're, we're very desensitized generation, you know, things that, you know, I always, it's a red flag to me when things that used to bother me, my spirit, stop bothering me. When I used to watch movies and they would have the Lord's name in vain and I would be like, cut that off, but now I'm good with it. And so they, you guys were bouncing on it. Listen to this, Ephesians 4, write that down, Ephesians 4, because the word is the final authority. Ephesians 4.25 says, therefore, putting away all lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one together. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole no longer, but, uh, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. Let's see. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. This is a huge passage because I know whether it's my behavior, my language, or whatever, you know, there's a popular movie right now called Girls Trip. And how anybody can go and watch that movie that's a believer baffles me. It's mighty quiet. In this church, your taste buds must be for certain things. But they, if they're for things of the world like that and for language like that, and you're praising God on Facebook one minute and saying WTF the next? Your witness is blown. Would you mind if I did that? What if I as your pastor did that? You would, you'd go like, no, but there's no different standard in the Bible for Christians. We all need to watch this right here because it is about our witness. The same with drinking. It's about being excessive in the excessive society that we live in. Amen. Amen. Panel, we in agreement? And we have a no. Oh, that's a yeah. Pastor Gloria. <laughs> Willie, she been cussing at you. 
Where's Willie? She loves Jesus, but she cusses a little. You know the t-shirt. I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Please don't wear that t-shirt. Next topic on the screen. Gambling. Now, uh, now this is something that, that I've had a lot of debates on. This is something that I've discussed with a lot of people uh, too. So I'm really interested, not that I'm going to give my input or anything, but I, I, uh, I want to hear you guys' input over the next four minutes about the topic of gambling um, and, and its, its place in the Christian walk. Gambling. Um, I heard you won $100 the other night. <laughs> you want to bet? <laughs> I don't believe that. Uh, I mean, the Bible, you know, you don't see in the word where the Bible uses the word gambling, or at least I, have, I haven't seen it. It's not. I think the closest thing that we see is uh, casting of lots. And, you know, we've but heard that discussion was not for about money. that. But not for money. I think that gambling is a sin for this reason is that it's motivated by, many times, it's motivated by greed. Covetousness. And covetousness, yes. which is a sin. And the, the word uh, warns us throughout the word, is, you know, there are a lot of scriptures on greed and about the fact that it's a trap. And when I uh, actually read a scripture on greed, it says something about a trap and falling into many things that hurt yourself. And people that I know that have become addicted to gambling, they, they hurt themselves and they hurt their families. Uh, Proverbs also talks about that when you get money quickly, an inheritance gained quickly, how quickly it's lost as well. So I do believe that because a lot of times gambling is motivated by the desire to get rich quick, um, I, I think that that motivation is wrong. Anybody else want to say anything on, on, on gambling? I think it's a pretty, pretty good position there. Let me ask this, because um, this has been asked some before, too. Uh, would you consider the stock market to I be you're gonna say that. gambling? Pastor Scott. First of all, the gambling that I'm against, it exploits others for greed and covetousness, what I'm talking about whether you're sitting around the table playing poker or whatever, you're exploiting others. You're stealing from others. Um, again, there are what I call matters of conscience in the Word of God. There are negotiable and non-negotiable things. There are things that I will negotiate with somebody that's a matter of conscience, whether it's drinking, which I don't believe one drink will send you to hell, but I'm not, I don't want it. And other things like gambling, you know, that we could sit and argue it's the same as the stock market. These are matters of personal convictions that the spirit of truth must lead you in, the Holy Spirit. There are non-negotiables. Jesus is the only way. That's non-negotiable. 1 Corinthians 6, 12, all things are lawful, not all things are helpful, and Paul said, I won't become a slave to anything. So the three questions you have to ask, according to all these subjects, is, is it lawful? You may say yes. You may have perimeters according to the government. Is it helpful? You have to determine the second question. Is it helpful? Number three, 
Am I able to become a slave to it? Well, Pastor, you become a slave to food. I agree. This is why our position must be in Christ about all these things. Concerning gambling, it exploits somebody across the table. It takes advantage of somebody else. And I know that's a person's decision, whether they go and play poker down here or wherever, or at the casino, whatever. You know what? I have, I'm a type A personality. I've never had a drink of alcohol in my life because my whole family were drunks. I don't want to go gambling. You know why? Because I'd be on that thing. I'm just being truthful. Is that all right? For Scott, no. I know if I started gambling and I'd happen to win, oh, Lord, is on. I know if I started drinking and it became a false refuge because it made me feel good or get buzzed, I know where Scott would be because I'm type A personality. So it's not a matter of sin or not. I know that I, there's a great possibility I could become a slave to it. And then I've had many friends who've stopped drinking, and because they went out with their pastor who drank a beer, they fell back into alcoholism. I'm not going to be a stumbling block. Amen. Gallery, where are we at? Give me a green, give me a red. All right, we have controversy. And it comes That's from... Probably my son. It comes from a chat sign himself. Okay, Noah, what you got for us? This is my son, y'all. Hey, guys, what's up? <laughs> before, before, I, before I give you my opinion, I'm going to go ahead and let you know um, one, I have, for the past year, have even been an avid poker player. I'm a big fan of the game. Two, I've also had gambling issues outside of poker before. And thankfully, I'm over those things. I'm done with those things. But what I will tell you is that this is a very unclear issue when it comes to sinning and not sinning. You can get into, um, when you can, obviously, a lot of things that people go back to is the, you know, how the Bible says the love of money is a sin. Yes, you can. Most of the time, when people are gambling, I mean, it's not all the time, people are doing it out of greed and love of money. I do know people who are passionate about poker, who really enjoy the game and play recreationally, who can play competitively, and it actually gives them income and they pay taxes on it. And there are charitable organizations where poker players, professional poker players, run charities and donate millions of dollars to lots of different organizations. That's a great thing. But also, um, the the thing is that uh, there's also you know statistics about like you know stock markets and all this kind of stuff. I mean, there's you can run numbers all day long. Um, obviously, there's an environment that comes with these things. You, you can not have a gambling problem and be fine playing poker in town, but obviously when you do that, you have to understand that you're going to be around a lot of spirits. You're, being, you're going to be around a lot of darkness in that sense. And so it it's really depends on you. This is, I think this is not necessarily a sin issue, but you know, a you issue. Um, but overall, plain and simple, I do not think gambling is a sin. Um, I think it can be problematic. I think it has caused lots of issues for people's families, and of course I understand that. But, you know, like I said, it really depends on who you are, and you have to really discern that for yourself. So, so, so can you go make some money for the church for me? <laughs> Y'all know I'm playing. <laughs> Isn't it great to disagree? <laughs> and it's healthy. It's healthy. Amen. I know if you want to make some money, you should have bet on Alabama minus 18 yesterday, right? <laughs> Sorry. How many of y'all, let's go ahead and do this real quick. I'm going to take a big oh, risk no. right here. Oh, Some no. of y'all went to Biloxi yesterday, didn't you? Um, how many of y'all would agree that there's not a problem with playing slots, poker, whatever you want to call it, that kind of thing? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. If you, how many would say, uh-uh? You know, the crowd is, is about 
40-60. About 60% against, about 44. Just, just How many believes taking a drink of alcohol is a sin? Raise your hand. Taking one drink, one drink, one drink, one drink, one drink. Taking a drink of it. We say they're probably like 10, 10 to 15 percent. A quick question. Okay. How many believes these are topics that need to be discussed at church? Yeah. And not just man's wisdom, but understand because we don't have a lot of time. I had a lot on drinking. We need to look at the word of God. Because it doesn't matter what Scott thinks. What matters is God's word. And God's word is not dusty and out of date. It is relevant for for the college student that's here, for whoever you are, for Mother Sanders who's in her 80s. The Word of God is relevant, and the Word of God answers all things. There could be things that are non-negotiable that we can debate about. Well, that's where you better have the spirit of truth, because I have a feeling when we all get to heaven, everybody's going to realize we had it off just a little bit. So our question there, and we'll hit you, Pastor, real quick with this, is it okay or is it should you? Tied your uh, <laughs> net increase off of gambling money. Yes, Woo. of course. Would the church accept it? The Lord is able to sanctify. <laughs> now, I, um, you know, that's a difficult question. I've had people bring me money. Um, you could say it's dirty money or whatever, it was gotten unlawfully. Um, that's a big debate. I have pastors where people have won the lottery and started giving them checks for $30,000 a month because they won. I just got told a story of this. A person won the lottery, and um, it's a great story. I'll tell you one time, but the bottom line is this person started writing uh, $100,000 checks to the church every month as their payments came in from winning the lottery. And that church was able to pay off a couple million dollars of debt, and the church exploded, and the pastor lived because all the debt was gone. Now, you could argue, you could argue whatever about that money that came and how it came. Um, and I know I could, I don't want to get some older saints upset with me. And it ain't, it ain't my problem where the money comes from. The wealth of the wicked, so if you want to say they're wicked, however you want to say it, all I know is God's able to get what he needs to you. That's how I believe. Is that all right? Some of y'all need to pay off those winnings. Next. Next Next. question. You know what, let's skip that and go into the next question, just for time's sake. Oh, Lord. Tithing. Let's go back into tithing. So, um, throw me up a five-minute clock there. Let me ask you this. Tithing. Uh, let me go to Pastor Ty with this, since we're kind of on the issue of money and such, and we, we just talked about tithing for a second. Is tithing mandatory? Can you just talk about tithing briefly for, for the last three minutes? Wow. You know, tithing is a very controversial uh, topic uh, in the body of Christ. And when you look at it 
theologically from both sides. Um, most people that make a case against tithing, they, they use a couple of different things that they say. One, they'll say that tithing was under the law, okay? And so we know that's, that's incorrect because tithing actually predates the law. Um, and we know that it postdates the law as well. Uh, another case that they'll make is they'll say that uh, tithing was instituted in an agrarian society. Right. Uh, which meant that they had that it only applied to farm animals and agriculture and right. things that they raised, which is why Malachi 3 says, bring all the tithing to the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And they'll, they'll argue that. Personally, what I believe about tithing is this. I believe that, one, I believe tithing is right. But I don't think it's right for a lot of the reasons that it's been taught for years in the church. You know, I believe that it's been taught with such a, a legalistic mindset that oftentimes people won't come to church because they don't tithe or they don't want to tithe. And I, I think that tithing, like anything else, like any of these other issues that we discussed, is something that has to happen in your heart. It's an opportunity, as Pastor David right. mentioned this morning, for God to bless you. Uh, when you look at the, the first, now the first time the word tithing is used is actually uh, Genesis 14, but the principle of the tithe dates back to the garden because God told Adam, Adam and Eve, he said, look, you can have of all the trees, but this one, this one don't touch. And I believe that in any love relationship, one of the things that we, it's important, I believe, for us to understand about God is this, is that with God, obedience communicates love. You know, obedience is God's love language. And when he uh, gives us anything, I believe that he asks us to set something apart. First of all, ourselves. That we set ourselves apart for him or whether it be the tithe or, or whatever. It's an opportunity to be blessed. But I do think if you do tithe, I think you need to do it not out of a legalistic mindset. I think right. you need to do it out of a revelation of God's goodness. Because for me personally, it's very difficult to convince me that tithing is unscriptural because it has so benefited my life. Me too. And so I no longer tithe because I feel like it's mandatory. And, and, and with all of these issues that we're discussing today, yes. it is so, listen, yes. I think the most important thing is this. It is so important to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Because you know, I've heard this saying, and it's true, that a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. So you can never convince me that tithing doesn't work because I remember bouncing checks, and I remember the debt that I had, and all of the things that God has done for me. You won't be able to convince me of it. Now, can you make a great case theologically? Absolutely. And I even wondered about this. I said, God, if, if tithing is so important, why does, you know, why doesn't Paul really delve into this issue more and it's, it's more clear? Because in the New Testament, when it mentions tithing, it is in the New Testament. Right. But when it mentions it, it does not really mention it as a command. Uh, and that's where, the, the, to me, the lines get blurred for everybody. Yeah. Does it, is it, you know, after Jesus? And, and I wonder why he doesn't explicitly talk about it. Well, I believe, and this is just my personal belief, I believe that when it comes to love, it's impossible to legislate love. 
you know, I can give you a list of things and say, okay, uh, if you want to love God, make sure you come to church, make sure you don't cuss, make right. sure you don't smoke marijuana, make sure you don't do right. all of those things. Right. But the word says that he'll write the law upon our hearts. And a lot of these things that we argue about and we get in the weeds about even is it net, is it gross, really the, the opportunity to give is an opportunity to demonstrate our love for God. And I think that everyone should should take part in that opportunity. Wow. Yeah, thank you. It's really a heart issue. It really is a heart issue. And what he just said was beautiful. I love that. I think that I think that's a great position there, Pastor Todd. Give me a thumbs up. If I don't get a thumbs up here, I'm gonna be upset. Good. All thumbs up. I agree with that. Okay. Um, two, we have two more topics left, you guys. Uh, let's go ahead and throw up. Marijuana, Mary Jane. All right. Isaiah, I hadn't heard you talk in a while, so we've got seven minutes. I'll give you a couple here. <clears throat> Isaiah, marijuana, where are you at? All right. So if any of you don't know, you have two former potheads up here right now. So guess. one being me. G one, guess the oh. two. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Scott and Pastor Todd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so, okay. So anyway, so part of part of my own testimony actually is um, is actually that uh, being set free from addiction to uh, smoking weed. And you can argue all day and night about addiction, whether you know because it doesn't have nicotine or whatever. Everything is addicting. Video games don't have nicotine, and they're addicting. Okay, so please, please. So I started, whenever I was in seventh grade, I smoked weed for the first time. Got in trouble for it, went down the road about 10th grade, really got hooked on it, kept on going to the middle of um, the summer before my junior year. I'm a senior now. And so before the, in the summer of my junior year, um, God, the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit really interrupted my life and uh, came rushing in and uh, really set me free from a lot of things that were, were causing addiction. I mean, I just remember sitting in my room um, one time when my parents were out of town for almost a week, and, and I was high for about four or five days straight, and <laughs> is that funny? <laughs> it, it ain't funny. So, <laughs> so I just remember sitting there high for days straight, and um, I remember because of what the drug was doing to my mind, you know, to cause, you know, laughter and to, and to act, you know, kind of a little wacko or whatever, and um, but it was, so it was, it was naturally doing that to my mind, but at the same time, I had the Holy Spirit. And also, it was kind of like, it was like my conscience was like, it was like, I was thinking like, <clears throat> I was so, so torn and so depressive in the middle of it. I remember I was just wanting to cry while I was high, but I couldn't help because I was going from here to there because I was high, but at the same time, I was so... Um, I was just so, I was feeling so messed up, and, um, and so, but the thing is, I guess if you want to talk about whether marijuana is sin or not, um, absolutely believe it's, it's sin. Um, there's a lot of ways you could go about this argument. It's very, very controversial. I get a lot of questions about it. Um, Paul says, uh, whenever he talks about the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, um, actually want to read that really quick, exactly what he says out of the, um, the Message Bible really quick. Um, 
make sure I found it. Okay, so anyway, I'm going to go find it really quick, and let's let Dalton talk. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, before, before I go into this, like, like uh, Isaiah said, I've had pl plenty of my experiences with, with this issue um, um, in, in the past. So um, what I'm about to say, um, if, if you're not a believer in here, this is not meant to condemn you. This is not meant to say that I'm better than you. Actually, I'm right there with you because I've made this mistake so many times, having found Jesus and gone to this to self-medicate my depression, anxiety, and issues going on in my life. Now, if you are a believer, um, this is me saying, you know, brother, there's a better way for you. Uh, I love you. You know, there's a better way. So um, using scripture, not just my own intellect, uh, I, I'm gonna, my stance on it is that it's absolutely sin and that you can't argue it. I actually, and I'll go a step further and just, just listen to me. Um, I, actually, I actually believe that smoking marijuana is witchcraft. I actually believe that um, when, you, when you use recreational drugs like marijuana, it is a drug, it messes with your mind, we don't have time. Um, when you use marijuana, I believe you're committing sorcery, what the Bible calls sorcery. I'll prove it to you if you go with me to Galatians right. Right. chapter five, right. uh, verse 19. Galatians chapter five, verse 19. Go ahead and, there, and literally turn to it so you see I'm not making this up. Okay, now the... Uh, this is what Isaiah was talking about in verse 18. It says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under, oh, verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. In verse 19, it says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, let's camp out there. Sorcery and the King James Version um, literally says witchcraft. If you go to that word in the Greek, because Pastor Tanner loves the Greek, that word sorcery is the word pharmacia. Yep. Pharmacia. It is where we get the word pharmacy for pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical drugs. Yep. Okay? The number one definition of that, this is not the number two, this is not the strong, the number one definition of the Greek translation is the use or the administering of drugs. Okay, sorcery, the number three definition is sorcery, magical arts, often found in connection with idolatry, which is idolizing something, and fostered by it. And then when you look at the two words later, in verse 19, it says, uh, uncleanliness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, uh, contentions, and covetousness. So it talks about coveting something, or, and it even goes into, when you, check it, when you check it out in the Greek, it even means to defend with zeal a thing. Defend with zeal a thing. You're idolizing, you're having zeal. If you, if you go up to a pot smoker, it's literally like um, when the children of Israel built, I'm not even joking, it's literally the children of Israel building a calf, uh, um, a golden calf as an idol, because check that out, what did they do? First, they made a way for it. They made a way to get this idol in their life. They would go up to Aaron, they say, hey, this is what we need to do. Aaron's like, okay, how are we gonna do it? They're like, we'll just assemble all of our gold. Uh, so, so it's wrong, so you have to make a way to get it. It's even wrong legally. Most all, give me one second. All, in all, most all 50 states, it's still illegal, right? With the exception of about three. 
So you have to find a way to get it, first of all, children of God who adhere by the government, the laws of the land, okay, Romans chapter 13. You have to make a way to get it <laughs> that's against the law. Number two, they give it a name. This calf, it says they give it a name. For those of you who have been pot smokers in here, what do you do when you have weed? You call it Mary Jane, you call it Mary, you call it pot, you call it weed, you call it grass, you call it hash, you call it getting trash, you call, you have all these names for it, you give it a name. And then, not only that, but when Moses comes back, they defend their right to have an idol. So, so we talked about covetousness, covetousness, defending a thing with zeal, some of you who are Christian or, or, and you are defending smoking pot because it's something you do, you're not hurting yourself, the Bible is telling you that process is a sin of defending something in your mind, defending a thing with zeal. So they defended that idol. So to me, it's not only sorcery, it's not only idolatry, but it's covetousness. So it's not just sin, it's sin in three different areas. <laughs> so... I mean, it's, it's the word of God. It's, it's not me. You can check it in the Greek, Google it. It's there. Dalton, I, I just have a question. This yes, is sir. a real question I have. So do you feel the same way in areas where it is legal and, and people use it for their medicinal purposes? Do Absolutely. You, feel, you still feel like it's sorcery? Absolutely. I still feel like it's sorcery because the Bible, the, the Bible doesn't change, okay? You know, what, whatever um, government legalizes, the, God's word doesn't change. They still had drugs back then. They still had drugs that were technically permissible under the law for religious purposes in the first century. They still had that. But when you're, when you're manipulating your own mind to get some type of influx in your thinking and, and influx in your body, you're, you're idolizing a specific thing. You're giving all your attention to a thing. You're worshiping a thing. And I just think, I think God has so much more for his children. I think God has so much more for, for uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Is there disagreement here? What's up? Hey, so I created marijuana as a herb, right? Yeah. yeah. Let me take this one. Please, please, right. can I do it? So, <laughs> so it. and I know your, I know your question. Right. For food. A, a lot of. Food. For food. Yeah, for food. Okay, can I, can I ask you a question then? Can I ask you a question? With, with that minute question of asking it, you know, using it for food. Okay, so can we agree that smoking it for recreation to induce some kind of illusions into your mind, which I have done, okay, which I've done in my life, can we agree that those are wrong before we, before we talk about consuming it for food or medical purposes? Your your mind wouldn't your mind wouldn't go to a state of being intoxicated by smoking marijuana. We wouldn't have the same thoughts, but would your mind go through a state of being induced into a toxic state that wouldn't go there unless you had this drug? So it's a drug. That's that's what I'm saying. Certain people need it. Certain people need it. Not, not to smoke it, some people need to intake it as medicine. I agree that people who have seizures, people who have epilepsy, it definitely helps. But can we agree, before we talk about the minute detail, 
that the rest of rec recreation is wrong because just because it can be used for medical purposes like colodipin, like hydrocodone, all those things have positive medical, you know, if I have surgery, you know, come on, give me some painkillers. But I'm not going to go pop one before I go to a party or before I go out to eat or before I go watch a movie. So I'm saying th there is medical purposes, but before we talk about this, can we agree that the rest of the 95% of people using it, that that is sin? Okay. And, and I think I think that's the yeah. question that Pastor Ty was asking. That, that's the question I was asking because I actually I know of people who have chronic illnesses who've been prescribed it, and it's I mean it's doing wonders for them. And this is fun, absolutely. And so I that's that's what made me wonder. You know, when you especially when you use the was the yeah. pharmacy, I was thinking pharmacy. So I, I mean that that's that was my thinking. Absolutely, and man, this is awesome. Yeah. This is so much fun, but. But yeah, no, thank I agree you. with thank you. Thank you for your question. There is, there Ron, is, you're the man. yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate you. There is, um, yeah, there's absolutely medical purpose into it. Trust, I studied this for a year before I smoked pot because I tried to justify what I was doing. Literally, I wrote, I wrote a three-page report on it for school. Like, I, was, I literally asked my teacher, I was like, so I guess this is okay. I'm just gonna go smoke after I graduate. She was like, okay. So, yeah, I know, it's horse. Yeah, um, Missouri school systems, y'all. But anyway, but you, no, absolutely, I believe there's medical purpose to it. I, I've seen reports where people have cancer and you know, uh, when they're going through chemotherapy and they can eat, you know, I've, I've seen people with, um, people, and I'm not saying, they, they're not having them smoke a joint, you know what I'm saying? Like some people who have seizures, they're using um, from, from cannabis, they're using a type of gel that you can rub on people's feet that will make people calm down once they're having seizures. Absolutely, like if, you, if that's what you need or, or if there's something that's, like it, absolutely, that's okay, because that's a medical purpose. It's so somebody will survive and be able to act right day to day. But I, I, what I'm talking about here is using recreational drugs, which is what Paul is talking about here, right here. And I, and I totally agree with you yeah. on the fact that it can become an idol, just like, you know, just like any type of uh, narcotic, or because I, I believe that I deal with this issue every day, like every single day, being in the high school. And the, the, the deal is, is that most folks that are addicted to any type of drug are trying to escape life, some yeah, type of absolutely. pain. And I believe that they're finding refuge in it. And anything that you find refuge in, of course, it becomes a god or an idol. So I, I agree with you. Yeah. And, and like I said, just, you don't have to clap. Just like I said, um, to, the, to those of you who are, are maybe not a believer yet, or those of you who are a believer, I'm not condemning you in any way. I'm, I know I'm a little, uh, just because I have this conversation with my friends, but I'm not condemning you in any way. All have fallen short of the glory of God. My, my sin of, you know, at one time being addicted to pornography is no different than smoking pot, cussing, any of that. So we've all fallen short, and we still welcome you, even if you're struggling with this. Uh, Jesus' arms are wide open, so we don't condemn anyone yes. here. Amen. Amen. And I... I believe we could sit on this topic and go through the minute details, but I think just, just as a general answer here, kind of categorizing marijuana as a recreational drug, we look at that as sin, medical purposes being, being a different discussion. Let me, um, say, let me say something. Okay. Say, on the, even if we end on this, it's cool. Okay. Um, Jesus made a really powerful statement in the word that I absolutely love just as a believer, and he said, Satan has nothing in me. 
It's one of the most powerful statements that Jesus made. You know, in other words, Satan doesn't have a hook in me. He, he, he can't trip me up. Um, there's a thing about awakening desires that's very dangerous. Uh, the Bible even says in Song of Solomon, don't awaken love before it's time. Um, if you awaken love in a 13-year-old girl, ouch, she's going to be in trouble. And awakening desires. For me, you know, again, with, with marijuana, and we can end on this, if that's okay. Is that good? Because I, I really want to. You're in charge. Uh, for me, if you bring, I don't even know what they're called, a blunt. Is that what they're Joint called? Joint blunt. You know, if you bring that to me right now and put it in front of me, and I've said this before, that means nothing to me. I mean, that does not entice me at all because I've never had it. I've never done marijuana. If you bring a Michelob beer right now that's dripping with the little drops like they put on the commercial to make it look so enticing and good, seriously, the eye gate. The eye gate is huge. That's how you awaken lust. And things in your life, if you bring a beer to me right now, that beer means nothing because I've never opened that door. Again, we're not talking about whether to send you to hell or whatever. Jesus says, hey, Satan has nothing in me. And I don't know about you as believers. I want to live that way. I want to live that way where, you know what? The devil ain't got nothing on me. And maybe you've had drinking or all these things, and maybe you've been a slave to these things. Again, you need to write down 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Paul said, I, I, Paul said, all things are lawful, not all things are helpful, and I will not become a slave to them. Is it lawful, marijuana? Is it helpful? I've got reasons of all kinds of diseases, several things right, listed right here that it will help, that I will, I'll, I'll spare you the time, I won't read you, but then I also do have some things that it will make worse. Open, it, right, things that it will make worse. 80.6% of illicit drug users that use high methadone, crack, you name it, 80.6 started with marijuana. It is the gateway drug. One of my dearest friends, a pastor's son of mine, started with marijuana and ended up on heroin, then got laced, and he's dead now. And I helped do his funeral. All things are lawful. We could discuss that with the laws. Is it helpful? We discuss that. Am I able to become a slave to it? Genesis 129, Ryan, thanks for asking that question. Ryan has been recently born again from California, out of the gangs, and loves Jesus with all of his heart. He's the man. And he's been without a father. And you may be older in this, in this, you may be here as a guest, they go, what are we doing? Is this church? This is church. This is what Paul did on Mars Hill with the Greek philosophers. This generation needs answers and not just be told, it's wrong, you're going to go to hell for doing it. Come on, they're smarter than that. Let's believe that they at least have brains. The Bible says in Acts 16, it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit, which tells me, they thought about it first, and then they asked the spirit of truth, what do you think? 
So God wants us to have discourse, and that's why I love doing this. I will stay here till 5 o'clock, no joke, discussing any topic according to the Word of God. Genesis 1.29 that you referenced, yes, it, it goes through that, the herbs, all, and it says it is for food. And I've never met somebody that does marijuana for food. I'm just being honest. I don't know what it feels like because, and I'm going to go old-fashioned here, I have tasted a drug that this world can't provide. The presence of God, I've drank a new wine that I don't need wine. I don't need it. All these things are false refuges. They're false refuge. Why do you smoke marijuana? Because you're looking for something. Again, drinking, I don't believe it'll send you to hell, but why do you drink? To calm your nerves? I have a better solution. It's called praying in the Holy Ghost. That when my nerves are like this, now hear me out. When my nerves are like this, from helping people, and I've got people sitting in my office every week that are so messed up on opioids, whatever they're called, heavy drugs that are right now painkillers that are just rampant. It's like candy for people. You're able to get it, and you go to a different doctor to get another refill and another refill. And that's how that thing works. I deal with so much in my office, y'all wouldn't believe from all these discussions. Why, why, do you, why do you want it? In his presence is everything. And I know that sounds churchy, but it is, it is the truth. What's another name for marijuana? Weed. Did you know weeds did not come about to after the fall of man and the curse? Tobacco is a weed. Now you argue with somebody that's a plant, it's a weed. That's why we call it weed. Weeds did not come about to after the curse came. Yes. It's a false refuge for a believer. The problem is in the church, we, t we, we discuss these things. And, and there's nothing wrong. Thank you, man. There's nothing wrong. Let me get a microphone. There's, there's nothing wrong with discussing it. And I'm going to close. I know what time it is, but listen to me real quick. As a dad, as a father, as a pastor, municipal, all these purposes... It helps with multiple sclerosis, these kind of things. Here's the bottom line is, we're, we're, we're trying to talk about tackling these issues when you have to come up higher and realize there's somebody who already tackled it, and his name is Jesus. When I say I haven't had a drink, understand that's not pride. It's a miracle I haven't had a drink. My family, like Isaiah said, were German drunks, chats lines. Most of my family died from a couple things, acute alcoholism, depression, and suicide. Devils do not have babies. The same demonic spirits that was on my great-great-great-grandfather named Jacob Chatzlin, because we used to be L-E-I-N when we came over to Ellis Island, those same spirits didn't have little babies. Those same spirits that were on my great-great-grandfather want me to fall. 
That's why it's so important that I must find everything I need in Christ. Everything. Everything. There are false refuges. Smoking, maybe it does make you feel good. Maybe it does take away something. But I know somebody that will take it away and you won't wake up with it in the morning. Seriously. The problem with the church is we either have to agree with things that it's okay or we come against it in such a legalistic way that turns everybody off. I, I, I posted that we we're going to be speaking on these subjects and somebody on Facebook or Instagram just attacked me on Instagram. Well, you ought to be preaching this. They ought to know better by now. You shouldn't have to, have to ask these questions. Delete. I'm sure they know the answers perfectly. I don't have time for religious devils. And this is why the younger generation doesn't want anything to do with the church, because we've treated it like that. When they're honestly asking an honest question, tell me why I can't have weed. Tell me why I shouldn't. For me, I don't want to be a slave to anything. And, I'll, and I know I'm going here, and I'll go here for even food. Food used to control me. I used to get mad when I didn't get to go to the restaurant I wanted to go, and I realized food was a god just as much as heroin. I used to live to eat instead of eat to live. Now I eat to live instead of live to eat. It's a big difference. For food no longer has anything in me. I don't want there to be a hook in anybody in this place. I don't want to look at Ryan over there that, man, his testimony is unbelievable, and say, Ryan, don't do it. Why? Because you shouldn't do it because they're scriptures. Yeah, but pastor, what about? I want Ryan to get the Holy Spirit in him who is the spirit of truth. The reason why the church doesn't deal with it or why we agree with it because we don't have the power to deal with it. We have left the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this and I close. The greatest strategy of the enemy, as we're talking about Christian living, the greatest strategy of the enemy is not for you to keep you away from coming to church. Because I'll be honest, a lot of church services do not have the power of the Holy Spirit in them. You get an inspirational message where somebody preaches with a feather and not the sword. And your ears get tickled. And you're told how you can live how you want. And we pervert grace. But the greatest strategy of the Holy Spirit is to remove the power and the person of the Holy Spirit in your life as a college student. I don't care if you go to church, but if I remove the spirit of truth out of you, you are one confused cookie. You don't know the truth from left to right. You're floating in space as a believer with nothing to stand upon, and you either believe this person on Facebook or this or that. This is why when they got born again in the book of Acts, after Peter said, repent, turn your hearts back to God, which we're going to right now. Come on, can we do that? And then he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you, as a young man of God, need the Holy Spirit in your life. He's the spirit of truth. That means he's going to show you. The Bible says he will guide you into truth. I don't know about you, but I need to be guided. I don't care that I'm a pastor. I need the Holy Spirit to bump me a little bit. Come back over here, Scott. You're listening to Facebook way too much and not my word. You're listening to other friends that don't have, aren't ruled by the Holy Spirit. They may go to church every Sunday, but they do not have the Holy Spirit ruling in their life. On campus. So with every head bowed in this place, did y'all get something out of this? Can we thank God for his word?
So that's why, bow your heads. My goal as a pastor is for you to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And for me to say, hey, don't take Scott's word for it. Take God's word. You dig in the word of God. Don't believe every preacher until you see it in the word. And then you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you have to say about this? With every head bowed in this place, Peter looked at the crowd and he said, repent and turn your hearts to God. And I know those are strong words, but that's New Testament. That's Peter after he failed and never thought Jesus would ever use him again. But when Jesus rose from the grave, he said, go find Peter because I'm about to take his failure of denying me and make him the greatest preacher in history. And thousands are going to be saved. I'm so thankful that God picks the failures to use, the mess-ups. Today, there are people in this room that there are things that we discuss that they're a refuge in your life. I'm not here to discuss whether you go to heaven or hell. I'm not here to judge you on that, but fruit is fruit. And you'd say, Pastor, I'm hearing the Holy Spirit talk to me right now. And I want to repent of some areas in my life. Lift up your hand right where you are. I know this is strong. Come on. Come on. Hands going up all over. Yeah, man. Come on. Come on. We done, we done, we done dug deep all the way in this service. Yeah, hands are going up all over. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's not a condemning thing. That's an awesome thing. When revelation comes of God's word that illuminates man's heart. It's amazing. The light of truth. You can put your hands down. Hands are going up all over. Anybody else? Anybody else? This is awesome because God's word will set you free. His truth. You won't find it in a drug. You won't find it in a girlfriend or boyfriend. You won't find anything that you need except in Jesus Christ. Pastor Scott, pray for me. That's for me right there. Put your hand up. Who? Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Sex won't do it. I know that straight up talk. Sex won't do it. In fact, it'll, it'll mess up some people because your spirits become one when you have sex. Yes, sir. Anybody else? pray for me, Pastor. I want to repent. I know that's a strong word. I want to repent. I want to turn. I want to turn from this in my life because of Jesus. Yes, God bless you. Remember I said you can't tackle the issues. You got to realize that someone tackled it for you. His name is Jesus. He took care of our sin. So repent and be baptized. Turn your hearts to God. Anybody else, Pastor? I need to repent of errors in my life right now that I may have even made excuses for. <laughs> like Dalton said, I, I tried to write a sermon on it to prove that I'm right. People do that. They take scriptures and twist them. Yes, God bless you. Anybody else? What a solemn presence in here right now of the Holy Spirit. God, thank you for your presence right now. I'm taking just another minute. Will you let God touch you right now, right where you're seated? You don't have to come to an altar right now. Let God touch you right now. Lord, remove every root out of us that is not you. Anybody want to agree with that one? Lord, take out anything. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you proved it by sending Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin that I might become the righteousness 
of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you became sin, that I might become righteous. Today, I choose Jesus, a life for him, to live for him because he died for me. A life ruled by the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Teach me, lead me, guide me into all truth. Lord, I want to come to the place where I'm able to say that Satan has nothing in me. Father, give me taste buds for the kingdom. <laughs> give me taste buds for pure things and holy things for your presence. I thank you now that I am forgiven. The devil can't bring up my past. It's gone. It's erased forever and ever. And I am, I am free from every addiction. Come on, come on, come on. Every bondage. I'm free today. I don't need it anymore. Oh, I feel that strong, y'all. I'm telling you right now. Somebody needs to say, I don't need it anymore. Jesus, you are all I need. You are everything to me. You will fill me up. You will fill every void in my life. Not a person, not a substance. You will fill me up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me and you set me free today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Y'all know what to do right now. Somebody needs to stand up and honor the king. Come on, come on. Somebody thank him right now. Come on, thankful for Jesus. Come on, are you thankful for Jesus? Lord, we thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Now listen to me. I feel this strong. Pastor Charles, come right here real quick for me. You and Miss Betty, altar ministers, come if you would. I feel this real strong. If you need prayer for anything, especially the infilling of the Holy Spirit, please, Red Lobster will wait. Come on, somebody. Food will come and let God fill you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I feel this strong for somebody, and this may be like the, the person that was raised in church. You need to hear me right now because I feel the Lord telling me this. This may be for somebody that's been to church all your life, can quote the Bible, but the Lord says you need to be water baptized again. You say, why? You need to be water baptized again. God has brought about a great change in your life today. You may have got baptized as a child. You didn't even know what you were doing or sprinkled or whatever. Baptism, all it is, is going public and letting people know I'm not the same anymore. The old man went underneath the water, and the new man comes up out of the water, and I'm a new person. Can you say amen? Come on, can you say amen? Come on, give Jesus praise one more time.